This morning we'd like to begin in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, if you read it, you can see it's kind of, that chapter is kind of divided by the by the way, it's focused into two different parts. The first part is about Christian fellowship and empowerment, and the second part is about Christian living. So, <clears throat> we begin in Ephesians chapter 4, and it, Paul speaks in verse 1, he says, I therefore... The prisoner of the Lord beseech you or plead with you to walk worthy of the calling with which you're called. Paul talked about himself being the prisoner of the Lord. And he was literally a prisoner because he was in prison. He talks later about him being in the, in the chapter 6 about being in chains. And so the Apostle Paul is literally a prisoner here, but he refers to himself as a prisoner of the Lord because it was for the preaching of the gospel that he's a prisoner. But you see that it doesn't stop him from preaching, even because he's preaching through letters, and letters that we're still reading today, so God used him even in prison. So he says, walk, in a wet, walk worthy of the calling with which you're called with all lowliness, or humility, gentleness, with long-suffering, which is patience, and bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And this is all about Christian fellowship. And... It refers to what Jesus talked about, about loving one another as he loved us. He gave himself for, for, for us, and he, he commanded us to give ourselves for each other, to lay down our lives for one another the way he did it for us. And this is something that we don't do naturally. Naturally, we love our own, we love our loved ones, we love those who do good to us. But in a fellowship and in church, and in, even to the people of the world, we are called to a different standard, the standard of Jesus. The standard of Jesus is what we're called to. And it's something that we have to learn. He puts it in our hearts, but we have to learn to put away and to accept his way. Put away our old way, his, our way of life, and to accept and to walk in his way of life as we read through this, this chapter here. It's a very powerful statement about the life of the Christian. So, the Apostle Paul talks about it here, but Jesus talked about it, and the other Apostles talked about it too. The Apostle John, in 1 John, he talked about, if we walk in the light as Jesus is in the light, we will have fellowship with each other. That clearly says something, that if we have, if we're walking with the Lord, it affects our relationship 
with others, our Christian <laughs> brothers and sisters. There's an interconnection between those who are walking in the light. There's a magnetism, a certain magnetism. I think we talked about that recently. A certain connection that is in the Holy Spirit. We have fellowship with one another. We might be from very different backgrounds, very different cultures, very different ways of life. I've talked to people from third world countries that have come to this country but have, have learned of the Lord and everything and I talk with them and it's amazing to how much connection you can have with somebody you never met before that is from a completely different culture than you're from. And we talk very differently and there's such great difference but then when we, but there's such connection when it comes to the things of the Spirit because it's as we sing in the song, it's the Spirit that makes us one. It's the Holy Spirit that makes us one. And so that's why it does it says it gives us instructions. And you see that when the Holy Spirit fell first fell at Pentecost, and you have the beginning of the church, it says that that the church devoted themselves to fellowship. The apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, and to prayer, praying together. Certainly there's personal prayer, but there's prayer of coming together. Jesus taught about the prayer of agreement in Matthew chapter 18. If we have time, maybe we'll look at that. That if two or more of you agree concerning anything they shall ask, It'll be done by my Father in heaven. Because where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in your midst. A special uh, a, a presence of the Holy Spirit, presence of Christ, when we come together, when, when two or more are gathered together in the name of Jesus. So there's a very great importance in that. And fellowship, and that's one of the things that the the that the church was devoted to. It was very important. So when you're devoted to something, it's very important, and it's a priority in our life. Things that Jesus and the apostles taught, and coming together in fellowship, and in praying together, things like that. So we have prayer meetings and things like that. <clears throat> So as we look here, he says that we should walk worthy of our calling in Christ. Walk, walk in a way that's worthy of a Christian. He says with all humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another in the love of Christ. Trying to keep the unity of the Spirit. Not the unity of the flesh, but unity in the Spirit. In the bond of peace. Now this is a work that God does among us that should be evident in the Christian church. And say, well, these kind of things, they're hard to do. It's just part of Christian living too. This is personal interaction and fellowship. But as we see that God provides a way for all this to happen. 
Because as we look at all the things it tells us about Christian living, you know, in Christendom, there's parts of Christendom that can take that have taken the teachings of Jesus and the apostles and kind of written them in stone, kind of like the Old Testament. The thou shalt and the thou shalt, and it's all about, you know, it's all about obedience, 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 kind of like, and they look at it as the law. But the New Testament doesn't teach it that way. It teaches about being born of the Spirit, receiving the Spirit of God by believing the message. And then something happens to the person. They're born of the Spirit. God gives them the Holy Spirit. God gives them His nature. And that makes for everything that's commanded is part of that new nature. We are empowered in that new nature to walk this way. And we are drawn by the Holy Spirit to walk this way. So it's not New Testament law. It's the law of Christ. It's a, it is the law of the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It is the New, it is the new Testament. It is the New Commandment. This is a new commandment I give to you, Jesus said. That you love one another as I have loved you. So, <clears throat> he says in verse 4, There is one body, one spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all. Well, then if there's only one Lord and one faith and one baptism and one spirit, then why is there so much division in Christendom? Well, <clears throat> we can say for one thing for sure, there's been an enemy at work throughout the ages of the church, and that's for sure. But we also understand that we can't fix all the divisions but we can understand from what we read here the way Christ has called us to follow his Holy Spirit. There's a lot of divisions in Christendom, yes, but that we don't have to we don't have to walk in division. And there's many in other churches who are walking with the Lord. It doesn't mean, hey, it's only us. It doesn't mean anything like that. What it means is that whoever is part of Christ's church is the church, whether no matter where they meet. Whoever has faith in Christ and is walking in the light, that is the church. No matter what the brand name is. That is the church of God. And so, as we begin in, in verse 11, he begins to talk about different spiritual gifts that are given to if the Christians in the church. And he, get, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, teachers, pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the strengthening or edifying, building up of the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed back and forth and carried about with every wind of doctrine 
by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effecting working by which every part does share, causes growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Well, that says a mouthful, what we read there. But it's talking about the function of the church. That God has given different gifts to the members of the local assembly to build up the church. He says every, every, part, every person who is in Christ in that church has a part in it. In, in the meetings and outside the meetings, there's different parts and different working parts. Just like there's different parts of an engine in a car. You need every part of that engine to make it work the way it's supposed to. I mean, it might still run without some of the minor, what would be considered to be minor parts, but it ain't going to run the way it's supposed to. You know, if the plugs are fouled, that engine's gonna, not going to be finely tuned and run the way it's supposed to. Different parts aren't working the way they're supposed to. But he says, as everyone does their part, he says, he says that we will all come to unity of the faith until, everybody doing their part until, we come to unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Unity happens as a process as the Holy Spirit works through the different members of the church. And so, he says that we should no longer be children tossed back and forth and carried about by every wind of teaching. That's where the division comes from. When this process isn't happening, in the local assembly, you get a lot of other things happening. People being tossed about, Paul's saying here, tossed about by every kind of teaching under the sun, in Christendom. But the answer is not just throwing our hands up, but the answer is to do our, each of us to do our part. So then he, in verse 17, after he talks about the church growing up into what, it, into the, into what it's supposed to be, each assembly, in verse 17, he's, he talks on a more personal level. Verse 17, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles, or well, as the people of the world, those who are not in Christ, in the vanity or the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to walk on uncleanness with greediness, but you have not learned Christ this way. Paul is warning us not to walk the way people of the world walk. And again, this is the way the Holy Spirit is teaching us. The Holy Spirit is teaching it us here. 
And it teaches us, if God's Spirit lives in us, it's teaching us from the inside, too, in our hearts. Because the Holy Spirit in us agrees with the Holy Spirit on, 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 in the, as we look in the Holy Scriptures, in the Word of God. There's a connection between the work of the Holy Spirit in us and the work of the Holy Spirit in the Holy Scriptures, in the Word of God, in the Bible. It's not two different spirits. We just read it. There's one Spirit. And one Spirit is teaching us one, one doctrine. There's one faith, one doctrine. The doctrine of Christ. Christ is not divided. Christendom may be divided, but Christ is not. God is not confused. God is not the author of confusion. If there's confusion in Christendom, it's not from God. And so, the Holy Spirit is teaching us. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. He would be our teacher, our guide, our helper. And he would, what he would, the Holy Spirit teaches us on the inside, when we receive the Holy Spirit, it connects with what's here, what we read here. And we learn. The Holy Spirit teaches us as we read. Because many read this and don't learn from it. Said the Israelites, they gained no insight from the things that God was teaching them. They didn't learn. So what the Holy Spirit is teaching us and leading us is to not to walk in the way of the world, to walk in the way of Christ. In First John it says that that is to say they know him should walk as Jesus walked. Well, how can you walk as Jesus walked? That's what given, being given the Holy Spirit is all about. <coughs> That's why Peter said we've been become partakers of God's nature, the divine nature. Become partakers of the divine nature. Divine nature is God's nature. God in us, the hope of glory, it says in Colossians. The Holy Spirit living in us. the people of the world, they walk that way because their understanding is darkened. They're separated from the life of God. They gave themselves over to all kinds of uncleanness. It mentions here. He said, but Paul says, you haven't learned Christ today. This isn't the way of Christ. This is not the way the Holy Spirit in us is teaching. And so he goes on to say, <clears throat> if you have heard from heard him, and have been taught by him, by Jesus, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, your former way of living. The old man, he refers to it as, or old nature, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on a new man, which is created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. God's nature is like Jesus. And so, <clears throat> when we walk in it, it's a decision we make 
to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and to, to walk in the way He's directing us. It's a different nature. Now, <clears throat> what does a dog do? A dog does something, some peculiar things. Chases his tail. Uh, he eats his vomit when he vomits. Strange things that a dog does. Peter points it out. You can take a pig, he points out, and wash it. And as soon as you wash it and you let it out, it's going to go right back and running into the mud and get muddy all over again. And why does he do that? Why do these animals do these things? Because it's in them naturally. And there's things that we naturally do. Things that are ungodly, sinful. It's in our nature to do that. We can go to church and get religion and be taught all kinds of things and behave ourselves in church, but when nobody's around, uh, you know, then we may act differently. Why? So we let our guard down. We begin to walk according to what's natural to us, to do the unclean, ungodly things. And so we need to be changed. Born again. Jesus said you must be born again. Born of water and the Spirit. He says unless a man is born of the water and the Spirit, he will not enter the kingdom of God. And then when we're born in the Spirit, we must also walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If that's what's happened to us, then walk in it. Because as we walk in the Spirit, we do what's the nature of the Spirit, the nature of Christ. There's a different way of life. And so, as we look at everything that Paul teaches after that, it says, put away lying, don't be angry, <laughs> and sit, be angry, but don't sin, don't blow, don't lose your temper. Don't, don't begin to say harsh and nasty things and mean things, cutting things, sarcastic things. So, oh boy, this is pretty hard, you know. And then we get further and it says, uh, be honest, not steal anymore. The work, you know, provide for our own hands, with our own hands. Let no corrupt words come out of our mouth. But only that which ministers grace to the hearers. To build them up. Oh, this is... We start working up a sweat. This is sounding harder all the time. It's like we're climbing, climbing Mount Everest here, you know? And he says, in verse 31, put away all bitterness, wrath. Bible, uh, the uh, book of Galatians talks about one of the works of the flesh. Outbursts of wrath, outbursts of anger, you know? You know what it is. Screaming and yelling at each other, arguing and clamoring and fighting and arguing, you know what that stuff is. And evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, all bad stuff that we have towards others. Hey, this is impossible. Yeah. But as Jesus said, with God all things are possible. With the nature of God, we begin to learn a new way. To go against our own nature. I've been a Christian 
for 41 years, almost 42 years now. And I can tell you the fight goes on, that you're still fighting and, and crucifying the flesh. Because that nature is still there to try to, to pull me down. And that's why Paul said, I die daily. It is a daily fight and a daily walk that we must put off the old way of life and put on new. And after 42 years, I can say I'm still learning. And my wife, 41 years, she's still learning. She's been a Christian. And, and so this is a process and a daily walk of no surrender, no compromise, and just embracing the way of the Spirit and every day putting to death the way of the flesh. And it brings peace to our hearts as we walk in the Spirit. One of the fruits of the Spirit is peace. Peace of God over all our heart. So, <clears throat> it says not to let corrupt words come in or out of our mouth. When it says to put away all bitterness, that means all that bad stuff inside of us that people have done to us, that wrongs us, that you know how it feels inside when it, this uncomfortable, angry, this err kind of feeling inside of us. If somebody wronged us and, you know, we would, you know, we know what we would like to do to those who have wronged us and those who have harmed us, those who have spoken evil of us, and, and whether rightfully or wrongfully, that people have said things about us, gossiping about us, to for our, try to hurt us, and, and all this stuff. And people say something smart-alecky or sarcastic. I have a boss who, who a young man, Josiah's age, and, and I'm twice his age, and, you know, he's as old as my youngest. Actually, he's actually Leah's age. He's not. He's as old as Leah. He's thirty-four, and you know, somebody half your age is 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 speaking sarcastically and saying smart out comments to you, and he's an authority of you. Boy, I tell you what. <laughs> you know, I've been in that place thirty-one years. He's been there four years, and he's my and he's an authority over me. And it's like you have to humble yourself, you know, and walk in humility of mind. And it's a, I can tell you, it's a challenge every day I'm there. Ivan knows. He's, he used to work with that guy. He knows. He knows what, he, what he's like. He's a word for him, so I'm stocking it. Well, <clears throat> we'll hold those comments till later. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> as we continue in chapter 5, he says, Be imitators of God as dear children. Um, now it tells us to imitate someone who's perfect, someone who's holy, someone who's never done anything wrong. It says, be imitators of God as dear children. And then we begin to say, well, this is just totally and completely unrealistic, isn't it? But it's a, the second part of it, begins to explain to us what this is all about, as dear children, as his children, those who have received his spirit, those who have been adopted by God. The Holy Spirit is referred to in the book of Romans as the spirit of adoption. 
we become his children when we're born of the Spirit. The people of the world are not God's children, the people of God. Those who have been born of the Spirit become his children. As many as receive him, to them does he give the power to become the children of God. To them, those who receive Christ, those who are born of the Spirit, they, they have the power to become the children of God. And when we become his children, we have the power to imitate Christ. To walk as he walked. That's why it says all these things that sound so impossible. Now, are we going to do it to the level that he did? Well, maybe not all the time, but we, we, see, we see the road that we're called to travel on. We see the road that we're called on to. Jesus said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's the standard we're called to. And whether we live up today, live up to it every day or not, it's not the question. The important point here is, this is the standard. The standard is Christ, to imitate God as God empowers us, to imitate God as God's children. The high standard, the high calling, there's none like it in the whole world. But that is the standard of the church, those in Christ. The standard in fellowship, the standard as individuals within the fellowship. To imitate God as God's children. Now, <clears throat> I can tell you from personal experience, there have been many, 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 many times that i found myself frustrated that, you know, feel like I've lost my way. I wasn't imitating God. I wasn't being like Christ. You know, you, ever, you know, we get confronted by that. And we're not walking in Christ's standard. But <clears throat> God's mercies are new every day. Look at Jeremiah says. And not only that, but there's forgiveness but there, and there's mercy. And there's also strength to get up off the ground and brush ourselves off. To get back to that standard of imitating Christ. The imitation of Christ. So Jesus said, he who follows me, and this is what he means. So it should be our, as one writer wrote, it should be our chief endeavor, our chief thing to follow the life and manners of Jesus in his way. In the first Peter chapter three, we have an example that Peter gives to us. <clears throat> I'm sorry, it's chapter two. First Peter chapter two, uh, and we'll begin. It says in verse fifteen, 
For this is the will of God, by doing good, you may put the silence, the ignorance of foolish men. As free, yet not using our liberty as a cloak for vice, another word for vice is wickedness, but as servants of God. Verse 18, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults, and you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you and me should follow in his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was the seed found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return, and when he suffered he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. To those who are in authority over us that are harsh, in government, in police, and everybody else, in a household, in a job, Jesus, God the Son, left us an example that we should follow. And it talked about from the way he was treated. Before he was arrested, and after he was arrested, and his response to those, and what he and, and what, how he responded to them, we don't have to be arrested and tied to a stake and beaten with a cat of nine tails to follow his example. This isn't just talking about the severe things. If we can, if it applies to the severe things, it certainly applies to everyday life. And that's what he's talking about here. There's an authority over us. And you know, he says that Jesus left this example that we should follow. Like we read in uh, Ephesians 5.1, imitate God as his God's children. Follow in his steps. Follow away, walk the way he walked. And this is just one example. He could go through all of his examples, but he gives us just one example here. And you know... <clears throat> This thought, as if you read it, it continues into the next chapter. And what it talks about in the next chapter, about wives, and their attitude towards their husband, it says in verse chapter 3 and verse 1, wives likewise, likewise what? Likewise the example to Christ. You follow through and read all that. And then, in, in the same chapter, chapter 3 and verse 7, husbands likewise, likewise what? like Christ, following his steps in marriage. And then, he talks about, verse 8, finally, all, all of you be of one mind. This is uh, verse 8 of chapter 3 of First Peter. Finally, all of you be of one mind, compassion for each other, love as brother, tender heart, courteous, not returning evil for evil, like Christ. This is like Christ. This is in fellowship, in homes and families, 
and and it just follows through every area of your relationship with others compassion tender-heartedness mercy kindness goodness faith what the life and the spirit the new man and it affects our every area of life. Very important areas, I might add, too. And why are part, important areas of life, they seem like they're turned upside down? Sometimes it's this. There are other factors in life. But one of the factors is the way we're living. Whether we're walking in life, and if we're experiencing life in the Spirit. The abundant life that Jesus talked about. People think abundant life is just heaven and you're just going to, you know, just drag along in life and be miserable until you get there. <laughs> That's not life in Christ. Because Jesus lived a certain way while he lived here, not just when he was sitting on the throne after he left here. He lived a certain life before the Christ cross, during the cross, resurrection, all the way through his ascension. There was a certain way Jesus lived on the earth. And he calls us to live that way on the earth. And he has empowered us. He's given us his spirit. He's given us a new man. And he says, in one place, not to make provisions or for the flesh. Don't make excuses for the flesh. Because as... <clears throat> I think it was you, Josiah, made a, a CD for me one time of DC Talk. And I think one of the one of the statements he makes, it might even be the name of the songs, is, I'm the king of excuses. <laughs> Talking about himself. He says, I am the king of excuses. And we can just make so many excuses for why we're walking in the flesh. Why we're not doing what's right. Why, but what those excuses are is compromise. Reasons why we're not following the leading of the Holy Spirit. The nature of God that He's given us is the end of all excuses. Mercy, forgiveness, grace, kindness from God toward us, sure. But not provisions for the flesh. To walk in that, no. Not to walk in the vanity of our mind. Not to walk in immorality. It goes on about um, in, in, in uh Ephesians, as you continue on in, in uh, chapter 5, he talks about all the different things of the way of the flesh. And, uh, and he says, immorality, uncleanness, covetousness, not even named among you as fitting for the saints. Filthiness, foolish talk, Course, jesting, which is another word for uh, dirty jokes, immoral talk. For this you know that no fornicator, immoral, unclean person, covetous man, idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, because for these things, because of these things, the wrath of God comes down upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once in darkness, 
But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as the children of the light. He's saying it. You're not one of them anymore. Don't be partakers with the people of the world. Don't walk the way they were. Don't have fellowship with darkness. Walk in the light of Christ. Walk in the new man. Walk in the light. You were once darkness. Before you were in Christ, you were in darkness. But now, if you are in Christ, walk as the children of the light. Walk in the light of the Lord. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. Verse 15, See then that you walk carefully and not as fools, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. And it just goes on in instruction in Christian living. And this is not Christian law. This is the leading of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament Christian. Not law, it's life. Life in Christ. Walking in the new man. It's created after God in righteousness and true holiness. And what Paul is describing here is not law, New Testament law, but life in the Spirit. In the book of Jeremiah, it talks about the new covenant. And God says, thus says the Lord, the days are coming I will make a new covenant. It will not be like the covenant that I gave on Mount Sinai. He says, and this is the covenant I will make with them. I will write my laws in their heart. I will put my spirit in them. And I will write my laws in their heart. It will be inside of us. God's law in our hearts because his spirit is in our heart. Right and wrong is in our hearts. As we walk in the spirit, walking in what God has put in our heart. Life in the spirit. Not written in stone, tablets, but written in our hearts. New covenant. That's all I have. Josiah, if you want to comment, or Ben, uh, <coughs> guys, want to speak up on this?